The title of the sermon today is called State of the Church. I, I kind of started this tradition in, I think it was in 2011 when I was at Boise First. They asked me to preach around uh, the end of February, and I thought, you know, that we've gotten all of our annual reports for the church in by then. They're usually due the last week of January, and uh, the State of the Union address is usually around that time. So I thought, oh, you know, I'll, let's do a State of the Church address. And I've been doing a State of the Church sermon every year ever since. And now I kind of regret ever starting this tradition. <laughs> political in today's sermon, so just to let you know. But I've kind of held it together because I think it's important. I don't like to do this very often. I don't like to get into the business of the church on Sunday mornings. I know that your time is precious, and you've marked out this time to focus on God, to have God speak to you. And I, I take the sermon to be a very important part of the, the worship service. And so I try not to do too much business on Sunday morning, but you know, once a year, it's good for us to know the kind of goings in and coming out of our church and how things have been going. So bear with me this morning. Our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians. This is Paul writing to a church that he started, and things are a wreck. Paul starts a church in a Greek area. Um, most people are not Jewish. Most of, the, most of the church up to that point had been Jewish Christians. They had scripture. They had their old, what we call the Old Testament. They knew how to follow God, and they believed Jesus was the Messiah. When they came, when Paul started this church in Corinth, these people didn't know how to follow Yahweh, the God of Israel. These people didn't know anything about that but they heard this good news about Jesus, that in Jesus Christ, God is setting all things right and welcomes all people, that all can be forgiven of their sins, that all are promised an eternity with God, that all can be made new and worthy and equal in Jesus. If you were part of a caste system in that day, to be called equal that sounds pretty good. I want to join that group of people. And so the church exploded, and Paul had this message of freedom, that you are free, that God's grace is given to you for free. You don't earn God's grace. It is a free gift. So Paul, what laws do we have to follow? He says, you don't have to follow any of them. Paul, and so then the church said, okay, thanks, Paul, got it. And then they went and started doing all sorts of crazy things. And Paul goes, oh, wait a sec, wait a sec. There are some things that we need to do. We need to love. Love is the law. Love is the number one law. If you love one another, then you are fulfilling the law. Now, because Paul doesn't write all the different laws for them, this church kind of goes off the rails a little bit. When Paul starts to go work at other churches, build other churches, other pastors come in and they build on Paul's foundation is what Paul is talking about here. I think it is wild. I think it is a wild idea that God is coming in to save the world, that God is coming in to make all things right. And God's chosen method God's chosen method for sharing the good news of Jesus and reconciling the world is us. 
I might ask God, have you met us? We are not all together. You're going to trust us with bringing out that good news of Jesus' reconciling love. You're going to trust us to be the ones that are on the forefront of making things right in this world. God, have you met us? We are a bit of a mess. And God says, I love you. This is the kind of mess that I want leading my kingdom. This is the kind of mess that I want out on the forefront as a demonstration, as a message that you don't have to have it together in order to be welcomed into this community. You don't have to have it together to be a force of good in this world. You just have to be willing. You just have to say yes. And so God has a mission to, to move us into this world to make things right. He says, I need a people. Come and join me. I like to think of it this way. We don't belong to a religion, but we are building up a community for God's mission. We don't belong to a religion. We aren't all the same people who ascribe to the same exact perfect beliefs. We aren't here because we all believe the same. We're here because God got a hold of our hearts in one way or another. And maybe we don't understand everything, but God got a hold of us, and, and we understand that God wants us to live in a certain way. God wants us to act and move and shape the world in a certain way. God has a mission, and God has brought us together to be a part of that mission, to carry out that mission. Paul talks about it this way, that Paul and Apollos, another pastor, were co-workers with God. But we aren't the ones that make the mission grow. We aren't the ones that make the community grow. It's God that makes the community grow. It's God that moves in us and shapes us and changes us. He starts with an analogy saying, you're like a field. You're like a crop. I planted, but Apollos watered, but it's God that makes it grow. God is making us grow. We are like a garden. The church is like a garden. We have, it wouldn't be right, it wouldn't be good if we were all the same crop, but a garden is beautiful. A garden has vitality when it has difference, when it has variety. We're like a garden, and God makes us grow. He moves his analogy on to, from a garden to a building. He says, you're not just a garden, you're not just a field, you're a building, and you're a building that's been around for a while. It started with the foundation of Jesus Christ, but everyone has been building on it. I am a builder. I laid some scaffolding. I, I put up the framework. You are also builders. You are building onto this church. You are building onto this people, this community that's going to carry Jesus' mission into the world. We're all building. We're all building up this church in one way or another. The question is, what kind of materials are you using? Are you using gold, silver, and precious stones? Or are we using wood and hay and straw? And what would that mean? What would that mean? I, my, I grew up hearing it like this, that when we are giving to God, are we giving our best? Are we giving our first? Or... Are we just giving our leftovers, just our leftover time? Think about your calendars and your schedules. Do we fit God in with our leftover time? 
I'll do this if I can. I'll do this if, if there's time left over. Or, or do we give God our first time? Say, I'm going to block this time out first for service to God, for religious duty, for worship. And if there's time, I'll get to some of those other things as well. I think we're all governed by calendars, governed by the, the Julian calendar, the 12-month calendar. My life, pretty well governed by uh, the school calendar. Uh, there's no school tomorrow or Tuesday, and that has changed my week. You know what I mean? These calendars direct our lives, and they move us, and they, they tell us where to be and when to be. And if we aren't paying attention, we become slaves to other calendars. And God says, I've got a different kind of calendar for you. The church has established another calendar with two big touchstones, Christmas and Easter, with seasons that lead up to those monumental events in our year, seasons that call us to act and live differently. Where do we give God our time? In the leftovers, if there's room, if the school calendar says I can? Or do we order ourselves to a different calendar, a different rhythm? Are we building our lives? Are we building the church with precious stones and, and jewels? Or are we building with hay and straw? It's just one example. I think in this last year, God has been building up our church, and we've been building with some precious stones. Some amazing things have been going on in this last year. And so this morning, I just want to celebrate some of the stuff that, that we've been doing. Um, as far as mission, as far as serving, this year we sent out, or last summer we sent out another team to Oaxaca. There we finished building up all the walls. Um, we started, we got the walls higher and higher. And uh, when we got to the end of that trip, we said to the church, we said to Adventures in Life Ministry that kind of organized this, this connection with uh, the church there, we said, when will we get this roof on them, on, on here? And they said, probably next summer. Probably next summer, in, in the year 2020, three years after the earthquake that destroyed their last church. And we said, why? <laughs> we said, because we don't have the time, we don't have the money, the windy se season is coming up. And Rose Hubbard said, okay, how much is this going to cost? How can we get this done right now before the windy season comes? He said, we need about $2,500. We turned back to you, the church. We said, hey, $2,500, and we moved this church into their new building right now. And you guys turned out your pockets, and we did it immediately. In two weeks, we raised the money, and they were able to worship in their new sanctuary before the winds came this last fall. God is doing something amazing through you. This is building with precious stones. This summer, we're going back to, we're, we've built a partnership. We've built a relationship with this church in a small town called San Mateo del Mar. And this area, um, it's a small peninsula. It's about 11 miles long. I don't know, how many miles wide? Like four, three or four miles wide, something like that. And uh, there's this um, indigenous population called the Wave people, uh, and they're outside of any sort of services or help from the government or, lo or local authorities, and so they depend on the church. And so 
we're going to go this summer and we're going to do some medical mission work and we're going to guide and help them out. If you're interested in that trip, there's still room, there's still time. So talk to us, talk to Gordon Mallon, talk to me. We'll get you on that trip. Let's build with precious stones. Other things that are happening, we sent a team to Kenya where, they're, where they built a couple of homes this summer and they're continually working uh, with the Methodist school and hospital there. Habitat builds, uh, so far we have had one in the last two years, uh, we've completed one home all the way. Uh, uh, Courtney and Gavin and, oh, I can't remember Courtney's wife's name. Uh, but they've lived in their home for a year, and uh, it's completed, it's good. The, the house that we built all the walls for, it's in progress. It's right across the street from Courtney's house, and um, wonderful things are happening there. The Habitat for Humanity came to me this last year, and they said, hey, since the last build went so fast, we only have two more houses left to complete our neighborhood. Do you think this summer you guys could build two houses. And I apologize for speaking for you. I said, of course. Yeah, we can. Of course we can. So this summer we're going to build two houses. June 20th. Remember what I said about your calendars. June 20th, we're going to build two houses for Habitat for Humanity in our church parking lot. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors. I committed us for two, so bring them all Let's build some more houses. It's a good thing. I'm excited. I got a phone call from, I'm, I'm still working with some local habitats also about building more locally. West Willamette Habitat, we had a really great conversation with them. Um, they have spent a lot of money to engineer something very specific for our area. And so it's difficult. They're, it, we're finding ways that we can work together. But in the meantime, the... Uh, west to Walton Hills or the Forest Grove habitat, they called me out of the blue and said, hey, we, we hear you build houses for habitat. Can we get involved in that? And I said, yeah, we can. Let's do something together. So probably in the coming years, we'll be working with Forest Grove, which is still not perfectly local, but it's a little bit closer than Salem. So we're getting closer, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. And we're changing people's lives. That's what we're really doing. Building with precious stones. A couple of other things I want to mention. Christmas sharing. Uh, this last year we served over 50 families as usual. Um, and then we realized, you know what? We have more. People have been giving more and we have more to give and more to do. And so we've asked ourselves, what more can we do? And we've said this year we're going we're gonna to add on some more families. We're going we're gonna to build it up. Now, the problem is we just don't have enough room in this room to hold all the stuff for all the families, so we're limited there. But we're thinking about how else can we expand? How else can we grow? Maybe do a project for families uh, at the end of the school year as they go into the summer where the, the kids maybe aren't guaranteed a breakfast and a lunch every day. Maybe we'll do something like that. But the good news is I mean, we did an incredible job this year. People gave more than they had before. We have a surplus, and so we're looking at ways that we can grow and the ways that we can continue to build on this ministry. Precious stones. Ongoing work that we've always been doing is collections for Oregon Food Bank, Western Farm Workers, Meals on Wheels. The work keeps going. We are building with precious stones. Thank you. We are a church that matters. We're a church that changes lives. I thank you for that.
Um, uh, connecting. We've been growing in our relationships with one another. This summer, by an overwhelming vote, I don't remember the numbers exactly, but it was like 93%, um, we voted to become a reconciling congregation, meaning that we are open and affirming of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, neighbors and family. We love all people because God loves all people. All are welcomed and affirmed in this place. We took a stand against the traditionalist plan that passed last year at general conference and this year we got another general conference coming up and we don't know necessarily the future of our denomination what things are going to look like but we've made a stand and we've said here at christ united methodist church in cedar mill all people are welcome regardless of gender identity or sexual orientation so that was an incredible stance that's made splashes made waves we've made local news and, and so incredible movement. Our circle groups have begun and have started to connect. In this last year, we organized ourselves into 14 different circle neighborhood groups. That was no small task, <laughs> trying to figure out trying to figure out and gerrymander all those lines to get the right people in the right groups. But <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of work. And so we've met uh, once was as circle leaders. This last kind of six months, the goal is just to get to know people in our circles. Some circles have already started meeting. Some have already started meeting regularly, which is incredible. Some circles are still in that first phase of getting to know each other. We've had some circle leaders uh, go through some difficulty. Karen Dodge is the circle leader for um, the, I forget, I, I was calling it the Marlene area, but it, it might be a different name now. But if you're in Karen's circle, maybe this is a place for you to step up and say, I'll take care of my circle. I'll take care of these people. I see that hand. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so if you don't know who's in your circle, uh, find out. Get involved. You can contact me. You can contact the church office. If, you, if your circle leader hasn't been able to contact you, maybe there's some circumstances going on. And let's take a look into that a little bit. But this is just a way that we can take care of one another, care for each other uh, the most. When Cindy and Jim Faltzgraf got into their car accident, um, I didn't hear about it for a week, but you know who heard about it immediately? Their circle and their circle leader, and they started taking care of each other. And I just said to the circle leader, this is beautiful. This is what it's about. This is how it works. Awesome. Just give me a call. Just let me know. You know, keep me in the loop, please. <laughs> Please keep me in the loop. If you don't, it's okay, but I like it. So circles, um, growth in youth and children's ministry. Uh, in this last year, we hired Jake Magnum for our youth director. In this last year, we hired Rachel Pelham as our children's ministry director, and we are excited about the growth and the movement that's happening in those groups. Um, I was just told this week that we have 40 unique children signed up for our children's ministry, so that's pretty amazing. It's incredible growth. Really excited about that. And then for our growth ourselves in our worship attendance, we've grown about 8%. I think I got the numbers up here. In 2019, um, we, we averaged 149 and a half people. <laughs> I felt like that was an important half, uh, <laughs> which is up 8%. Um, and these are good numbers. This is uh, comparing apples to apples now that we've been doing two services for two years. And so um, I'm really encouraged by this up 8% uh, from 2018. This has been in a year where the pastor missed six or seven Sundays 
where the pastor's family went through a pretty big crisis, where our, our treasurer's house burned down, right? Woo! Where our finance lead uh, spent some time across the country saying goodbye uh, to a sister-in-law who passed away. And so we're a church that is still moving, a church that is still dyna- dynamic and growing, even as some of our leaders go through some really difficult times uh, together. So thank you for being the church that continues to reach out and continues to grow. Um, in giving, our giving was actually down a little, oh yeah, our giving was down a little bit this year. So uh, first we have uh, our giving to our general was 313137 uh, uh, dollars. It cost out 400000 a year to run this place. We make up that deficit in rentals. And so um, the preschool and all the different other activities that we have happen at the church make up that deficit. Now, I love that our facilities are alive and active and used all week long. I think that that is a wise usage of what God has given us. And so that's kind of how things operate um, oh, yeah, if you would go back one slide, I think maybe um, how many givers we have. Okay, so giving units, um, 163 giving units. So not just individuals that are giving, but these can represent families or households, those types of things. Uh, so here, the giving units are up 8% as well from 2018. So that kind of makes sense. Our worship attendance is up 8%. The number of givers is also up percent. That's really excellent. Um, so then the question is, well, why is giving down? Why is giving down 3%? So if you go to the next slide, we'll see the, the giving to our general budget is at 313. Uh, last year is like you know, 325, something like that. Well, maybe the answer is in this. Our giving to our missions has gone up quite a bit. Our giving to missions has gone up 22%. Uh, or about 7,000 from 2018. So, more people are giving, and more people are giving directly to mission projects through the church, rather than just giving to the church general budget. Now, what do I do as a pastor? Hmm, we need to run the place. We need the lights to go on. We need uh, need our staff to get paid. but I don't want to tell anyone, no, don't give to missions. <laughs> I don't want to say no, uh, because those missions are saving lives. Those missions are doing incredible, incredible work. So I want to say thank you for your increased giving on Christmas Eve, your increased giving to Habitat, your increased giving to Oaxaca, Kenya, UMCOR, Christmas sharing. All these wonderful things are incredible, and they're making a huge difference. If you are newer to the church, you're going to be more inspired to give to a mission project. You're going to be more inspired to give to something directly that goes outside of the church. It's just a fact. I know that. So if you're newer to the church, thank you for giving. Thank you for giving to missions. If you are a member of the church, if this is your community and it's been your community for a long time, if this is our church together, I want to ask you, to give a little bit more to our general, to help out in our general, to know that the missions is going to be taken care of. I know we're going to inspire people to give to missions. Um, It's less inspiring, but it's not less important. Uh, 
to give to the general budget. And so I ask you, maybe think about raising your giving, 10 bucks a week, five bucks a week, to uh, our general giving. So that's kind of where we are. Those are our numbers. I am extremely encouraged. I think that we are building with precious stones. One last thing. We've talked about this um, for years. We've been discussing what are we doing with the properties towards Saltzman. Well, we've come up with a plan, and we've worked with Home First Development, um, and and our plan is to build affordable housing for senior citizens. Um, it, it's for senior citizens for zoning purposes and those types of things. Um, the Washington County, they have set out a goal. In 2017, they set out a goal for 10,000 new affordable housing uh, units. And we're saying, hey, Washington County, come take a look at us. We'll be 50 of those units. We'll build, we'll build 50 of those units. And so we are currently waiting for Washington County to put out a notice of funds available, a NOFA, to let us know what kind of grants they are looking for, what kind of uh, grant applications they are looking for. And uh, then as soon as that comes out, and it was supposed to come out in January, and all of the other counties around us have already put their uh, notice of funds available out this year, so we're waiting kind of any day. Uh, as soon as Washington County puts out that uh, notice of funds available, we'll get hard to work at writing our grant application perfectly for them. They know that we are planning this. We've already had initial conversations. We've talked with them all, all along the way. They know that we are doing this, and they're very excited about doing this. One final thing about this project. As we were taking a look at uh, doing affordable housing for seniors on our property and seeing how we could change lives of folks there, uh, we started thinking what community partners around us might uh, want to get involved, might want to work together with us. And we started working with the Friendly House in Portland. And they have a ministry, or not a ministry, sorry, I'm such a church person. They have a program <laughs> called SAGE. And what SAGE does is uh, ensures that there is safe and safe access for affordable housing for LGBTQ seniors. I didn't even think about this. I didn't even think about this, but it, there's a real need in, a f in senior housing for LGBTQ-friendly housing. And so we started talking with them and started working with them, and we're going to build the first in Portland a senior affordable housing that is explicitly LGBTQ-friendly. And I'm excited about that, and I think it's going to it's going to send waves through our community and in our world about what Christ's love is all about. So, that's all in the works. Um, if all things go as fast as possible, we're probably looking at maybe building in spring of 2021. So we're a little ways away, but we are hard at work on it. This is what it takes to build with precious stones. This is what it takes to give God our all. Thank you. A couple of takeaways from this sermon, this little business message. Um, I want you to think about your commitments as you grow, as we build the church together. First one is commit to giving your prayers, presents, gifts, services, and witness. These are the vows we take up as members of the church, that we will support the church, that we will represent Christ by giving our prayers, presents, gifts, service, and witnesses. Um, 
Consequently, our sermon series in Lent is going to be dealing with each of those five uh, things as part of the Christian walk um, over the next uh, several weeks, so come back for that. Second, learn more about your circle. Find ways to get involved. If you don't know who your circle leader is, I will help you out with that. If you do know who your circle leader is but haven't heard from them, maybe there's something going on in their lives and they haven't been able to to get to work on these things. Maybe reach out. Maybe volunteer. See how you can help your circle leader. And finally, find out more about Oaxaca. Uh, Going June 20th through the 28th, we've actually moved some stuff around so that you can come and build a house on in the morning of june 20th and then get on a plane and go to oaxaca in the evening and so i know i know you guys love doing mission i know you're so excited about that so find out more uh see what it takes we will help you get there it's going to be an exciting wonderful trip the last thing i want to say uh in our in our in our scripture this morning paul says you're a field and then he says you're a building and then he says, actually, you're not just some building. You're the temple of God. You, the people. You are the place where God resides. You, the people, are holy. He's not talking about your physical body is a, is a temple, so you need to eat right and exercise. No, he's saying you, the church, our body, we are God's temple. We are where God resides And then he says something pretty drastic. He says, if anyone destroys that temple, then God will destroy them, right? I think when we read this, we have to understand that the biblical authors, they write with hyperbole. They write with exaggeration. Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off. I don't think, I don't see very many Christians walking around with one hand, right? We know that Jesus is being hyperbolic there. We know that Jesus is exaggerating. Paul is also exaggerating. God isn't going to destroy you for destroying the temple, for destroying the church, because we know the church cannot be destroyed. Jesus said even the gates of hell will not overcome it. Our church will not be destroyed. Our church has a bright future. Our best days are ahead of us. God asks us to take the holiness of the church seriously, to understand how precious the church is and take it seriously. And then God asks us to build on it with our best, with our precious stones, with our jewels.